Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. Today, our guest is one of our favorite people here at Seek Reality. He's literally the sweetest man I know, uh, and nothing ever phases him, which is actually a good thing we realize when you, you know that he deals with some very bad actors on occasion in his line of work. And I frankly I find it even more amazing to, that he's such a nice guy when I know some of the actors he deals with. Of all the guests we've ever had on Seek Reality, Peter is probably also one of the people among all the people that we've ever had here who has gotten the most feedback from our listeners. Um, A number of people have even contacted Peter about the problems they were having in their lives. And and then they've let me know afterward that... (laughs) My goodness, Peter was actually able to help them solve their problems, which is remarkable. It's really remarkable when some of the problems they were having had stumped, you know, a lot of the traditional people who were trying to help them. So naturally, then I would email Peter and thank him. And then that would lead to my giving Peter back again. So over all the years, Peter has been with us. This is his 17th time with us. At first, I thought of Peter Wright primarily as just a past life regression therapist. And actually, there shouldn't be a just in front of that. That's a pretty big deal. But he does other things, too. And frankly, I'm kind of stumped when I know of some of the kinds of problems I've known Peter to be able to solve. But today, he's proposed kind of a different topic. And it's one that interests me as well. And I don't think we've ever covered it here. Um, But first, let's talk about Peter's credentials. He's a certified hypnotherapist. He's based in Santa Barbara, California, and he's got 25 plus years of experience working with more than 2000 different clients on a lot of different different kinds of problems. He holds the distinction of being one of only 40 board certified past life regression therapists in the whole United States. He tells me many people have consulted him who have first learned about him from having heard him on Seek Reality broadcasts, and that makes me smile because I love it when we're able to help people solve problems here. And as you see, this makes us kind of a positive feedback loop for people. If they've listened here and then they've gotten help elsewhere and and, and, or help from Peter and then come back and and told me about it, that's kind of a a loop that makes me very happy. I also have been happy that I've gotten help from him too. When I was first starting to work with my my spirit guide, he and I had some rocky roads and, and we went to Peter and we had some, we got some help there too. Although one thing that my Thomas would not let me do was a past life regression with Peter. Um, Thomas says, after I go home, I'll get to meet some of the 17 lifetimes, my lifetimes that I've shared with, with, with Thomas. He says, until then, I don't get to do that. I have a very, very bossy spirit guide, as you can imagine. 
But our topic for today is something that's very different. Today, we're going to talk about the amazing work of Dr. Ian Stevenson of the University of Virginia. And if you've never heard of this, you're going to, this is a real treat. You're going to really enjoy this. Dear Peter, welcome. I'm so happy to have you back with us today. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure being present and uh, talking with you and those who are listening and watching. <laughs> this is a very, very interesting topic. Now, we we know about reincarnation. We've talked about reincarnation some here. Many people think they know what it is, but it's actually reincarnation is a more, con- even the traditional kind is a more complex topic. We probably ought to ought to have a different different guest here today who knows about the more traditional kind of reincarnation and talk about it again, because even that is more complex than we usually kind of more traditionally understand. But Dr. Stevenson's brand of reincarnation is really a very special subset. It involves situations where there's a traumatic death, an incomplete transition, and then a prompt reincarnation um, after a traumatic death, and a child then that remembers that recent nearby lifetime that ended violently. And Dr. Stevenson rec- discovered some of these situations, and he started writing books about them. And when we when you discover these books and you learn about these these situations, it's quite fascinating. Uh, the first of these books, I think, that he wrote. It's a, it's a big, thick one called 20 Cases Suggestive of Reincarnation. When I first discovered that book many years ago, I didn't believe it. And yet it's a big, thick book. I can show it to you folks. I have it on my desk right now. It it blows you away. But yet it, it's frankly, it's true. I mean, you can't at the end of the book, you can't you have to accept the fact it's true. It's overwhelming. And then he started writing other books, too. And Peter found these books as well and he was fascinated and he's going to be our expert on dr stevenson today so peter take it away thank you very much roberta so dr ian stevenson was a university of virginia professor and psychiatrist who spent 40 years scientifically verifying the past life memories of more than two thousand children it's pretty overwhelming between the ages of two and seven And each of these young children believed that they remembered their most recent past life. Yep. So his approach to this was a very rigorous research method. So what he did was um, he used his skills as a detective, as an investigative reporter, and as a social scientist. And he methodically tracked down and interviewed firsthand eyewitnesses who personally knew a child who had memories of being part of a particular family in a past life. These children typically began talking about their previous lifetime when they were two or three years of age. And they stopped talking about it uh, when they were about six or seven as they grew older. So from his research, what he discovered was that we tend to lose our memories of our past lives after the age of seven. He paid special attention to the statements of the child that had been made about that past life family. And then using his scientific method, he was able to locate the family of the individual who died 
that had been reincarnated as that child. So then Dr. Stevenson would take the child to meet with the family members and find out how much the child remembered about his or her life with that family before he or she had died. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about a four or five-year-old child here who is being taken to meet with uh, family members from his previous life who are still alive and who remember him as an adult. Yeah. So it's uh, quite an interesting uh, opportunity to use this for research. Yes. It was amazing. I mean, in some of these cases, he, he knew the names of all the people in the room. He recognized them. You know, he was the he was the husband. And he said to them to the wife, you know, um, where, where's the money? And he would he would go right to the corner of the room where they had buried the money because it was often in a in a tribal situation or whatever primitive 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 situation. Um, he he had detailed memories of having been these people. It was boggling. And so with this, when he met with the family, um, he would be present, the family would be present, and there'd been no coaching on, on either side as to what was to take place. Right. And so as a result of this, the family members uh, would confirm the previous statements made by the child. <coughs> Excuse me. And so it was, and then Dr. Stevenson would cross-examine the family members afterwards to make sure the, um, any bias could be eliminated from that from that conversation or those conversations. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so these cases, again, more than 2,000, um, were on five continents among people of varying cultural patterns involving families who did not believe in reincarnation. In some cases, in some cases they did. Exactly. So what did this research um, show about these past lives of children? Showed that, as uh, Roberta mentioned up front, often their previous life had ended prematurely and unnaturally, often involving violence, suicide, or an accident. In fact, 75% of his cases of the pre previous personality, that person had died relatively young. And on average, Dr. Stevenson found that the previous personality had died about four and a half years before the birth of the child, who remembered being that per particular person. My gosh, four and a half years between the death of that individual and the child being born. So what has happened since then is that others have joined the, the fray here to uh, continue to investigate these, these cases. <coughs> and in fact, now, uh, there have been more than 500 additional reports about the past lives of children. In some cases, too, there are birthmarks. For example, if someone was shot with a, with a uh, say, for example, with a shotgun so that there were pellets, there would be birthmarks on the body of the, ba of the child when the child was born that corresponded with those pellets from the shotgun. Exactly. The pellet birthmarks would be on the on that child, and and um, they, they, you, you could you could actually match them to the body of the person who had been who had been killed, um, or, or or other kinds of birthmarks corresponding with the death marks of the person who had been killed. 
what Dr. Stevenson would do would be he would find the autopsy of that uh, past life, uh, past life personality, if you will, and compare yes. the, the child with a uh, past life personality, how that person died. And it would be an exact fit. Amazing. It was. It's astounding. And, and there, there were other cases, similar ca- cases where the person who the, the, the child would have a, a, a interim memory of having waited in a tree near the death scene and watched for a likely mother, someone who looked like a likely mother and a pregnant woman walking underneath that looked like someone that, who might be a nice mother they would say, oh, that person looks like someone I would like to have as my mother. So I think this may be a case of possession of that infant. They would would possess the infant in the womb and be born as that mother's child. I don't know if there's more than one case like that, but there is a case like that in in his literature where the child possessed that infant and was born as her child. There's a memory like that. Did you see that memory? Did not, I'm not aware of that one, but I'm not surprised. It sounds like it could happen, especially since he took such a rigorous scientific approach to all of this. Yes, I, I, I just can't get over that. So I think that's a case of pre-birth possession of that fetus. And, and going back to the uh, question of, of the birthmarks and the... <clears throat> birth defects corresponding to previous wounds, he's dis- he calculated that there was uh, odds against this was about one to 25,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. It is so amazing. It is, it is incredible, really. But the, but the, the odds that, the, that they, these little tiny children, because no one had ever influenced those children at all, that they would have these memories from from some strangers. They had never been in this village before, although the village was, say, a day's walk from where they had died or something. They Usually it was not very far away. But the odds that they would have any of these associations, these these it's just it's impossible. Multiply each of those, those sort of pre-birth memories by... By them, each each one of them, uh, by you know, they the child had fifty of them. It, there, it's just literally incalculable. Um, so, let me then share uh, a case that I found to be remarkable. That yes, uh, will be of interest to those watching today's uh, podcast. Um, it involves a boy named Ryan Hammonds, and at the age of four, Ryan told his mother Cindy, and I quote. I think I used to be somebody else. It turned out that whenever Ryan saw that iconic Hollywood sign on television, he would get excited, saying that Hollywood was his home and he wanted to return to it. So Ryan told his mom that he'd been an agent in Hollywood. He talked about dancing on Broadway and living in a house with a large swimming pool. Sometimes when songs came on the radio, Ryan would stand up and start tap dancing. Again, he's four years old. He talked about going to fancy parties with a cowboy man who had a horse that performed tricks. Oh, gee. And at school, 
when Ryan was asked to draw pictures of his home, he would always draw four people, himself, his mom and dad, and what he called, in quotes, the old me. Interesting. Yeah. So Ryan's mom began to write down everything that Ryan had told her about his past life. She then borrowed books about Hollywood from the local library, hoping that that this would help Ryan process his memories. In one of these books, he found she found a picture of an from an old movie called Night After Night. And when he showed this photo to Ryan, he became very animated and shouted, Mommy, that's George. We did a motion picture together. And then he pointed to a man to the side of the photo and said, and that's me. Whoa. So Ryan said that he didn't know the name of his previous personality, but his mother, Cindy, um, soon found that the, the other actor, the one in that picture, was the famous actor George Raft. Interesting. Fascinating. So when Ryan was five, his mother made contact with Jim Tucker, who had taken over um, when uh, Ian Stevenson had retired as the main researcher in past lives of children. And with the help of a film archivist, they identified the actor in the photo that Ryan had claimed to be. And it turned out to be an actor by the name of Marty Martin. Now, Marty Martin was a rather obscure person in Hollywood. He was a dancer, an actor, and a Hollywood agent who had died in 1964. When Professor Tucker visited Ryan and his parents, the five-year-old was asked to pick out photos of people and places that related to Marty Martin, and he did so successfully. And then when his mother took him to a beautiful old building in Los Angeles where Marty Martin's travel agency had once been, Ryan acted as if he were truly returning home after a long journey. His face lit up with joy. So in total, there were 55 of Ryan's statements about his previous life as Marty Martin that were verified, including Marty Martin was once a tap dancer. He ran a talent agency. He had several wives. His favorite restaurant was in Chinatown. He spent a lot of time in Paris. And he had a large collection of sunglasses. So years later, now that Ryan is a teenager, he no longer has memories of the previous personality. But he still seems to carry some of the behavioral traits from his past life. For example, Ryan loves to watch old movies and listen to the big band music from the 40s and the 50s. Fascinating. Fascinating. It is. It is. Other examples um, from Dr. Stevenson's file. A boy remembering being a 25-year-old mechanic who was thrown to his death from a speeding car on a beach road. The boy recalled the name of the driver, the exact location of the crash, the names of the mechanic's sisters and parents and cousins, and the people he'd gone rabbit hunting with on the day of his death. My goodness. How can someone come up with these things, making them up? Not being made up, folks. <laughs> this is real. And it's been. Oh, goodness. Another example. Now, uh, this is all going on from the, this. These are people who have, in, have inherited 
um, Ian Stevens's work at the University of Virginia because right. his work goes on there, really. Exactly. And Dr. Tucker is still, I think, on the faculty at the University of Virginia. Yes. Wow. So remarkable. And it, this work goes on worldwide, really. One of the other, another of Dr. Stevenson's um, clients remembered being a teenager named Sheila who was killed while crossing the road. She named the town where Sheila had lived, plus the names of Sheila's parents and siblings. And when Sheila's family heard of the little girl's stories, they visited with her. And those attending the meeting said the girl recognized them by name and knew her relationships with them without any prompting. Wow. Another these example. are all small children. So, so how old was she when she was having these memories? I'm, I'm not sure, but she was young. Okay, very young. Right. Oh, my goodness. Then there was another time a boy from Virginia named Joseph called his mother by her first name and called his grandmother Mom. And as he grew up, Joseph began remembering obscure events from the life of his uncle David. His uncle David, who was the brother of Joseph's mom, had died in an accident 20 years before Joseph was born. The uncle had been rarely mentioned because of the family's ongoing grief from his of past. Course. So it's just as amazing to, to see these, these cases that turn out to be so verifiable from historical evidence that they did, in fact, live. And, uh, were, um, um, and so helping to create the reality that reincarnation exists. But these are always cases, at least hypothetically, where the transition was not completed. Instead, what happened was that the person who had transitioned, transitioned imperfectly and entered the body of someone perhaps in utero, uh, entered a body in utero and was born with memories of the person who had died within the past. This person had died a um, couple, as you say, an average of maybe four years earlier, three years earlier, and just was born again. Mm-hmm. Quite fascinating that it happens this way so often. It does seem to happen quite often. And going back to your uh, examples of the birth defects and birthmarks, some examples there. Dr. Stevenson recorded the case of a Turkish man who, remem- who remembered a lifetime as a bandit who had shot himself to avoid being captured by the police. Stevenson's research showed that the Turkish man's birthmarks exactly matched the entry and exit wounds of the bandit's bullet wounds. I think I remember this one. Yeah. Yeah. And the autopsy showed, proved it here. And another example. A client who recalled being in the past life uh, possessed two birthmarks, a large ragged one over his left eye and a small round one on the back of his head, which lined up like a bullet's entrance and exit wound going through his head. So, again, it's using autopsy to, in fact, prove that these birthmarks could, in fact, have been from a previous lifetime. Yes. Violent end here. Often, as was mentioned right up front, these are deaths that are often violent or whatever. So 
fascinating um, stories here. Yeah, and, and not at a, an, a predetermined, not a preplanned exit. Not an exit point that had been part been intended for that person's lifetime, as you say, often young, uh, and and young and violent, and they, so they they are off track from a normal uh, um, exit. They seem to hit, often hang around where that exit from this life happened, and then they you know they need a you know what now what am I going to do? I'm out of that body. What am I, I going to do? And so they seem to enter a fetus wherever they can as you say in a in the family in a passerby appears or or somehow they enter a body of, of a fetus and start over exactly, and, exactly. Says, um, says a lot for again reincarnation of helping to prove that we are our souls are here for um for many lifetimes because what i've have learned in my practice over the last 25 years is the earth is a free will zone. One of the few places <laughs> in the cosmos that is free will. We yes. come to earth to make choices because that's how our souls evolve. evolve. There are right. no wrong choices. They're just choices with consequences. <laughs> right. right. So we come back lifetime after, lifetime after lifetime to make choices and learn how best to, to uh, evolve as souls. And eventually we, with many lifetimes, discover that it's all about love, it's all about forgiveness, and it's not about hate and war and anger and all those negative right, things. Right. All the negativity has to go away out of our lives if we're a roast, we just keep on reincarnating. Wasn't there one someone who died in a you know in wartime in a plane crash too? And and he was also reincarnated. It seems to me that that there's there's a story like that, too, either in Stevenson's work or somewhere else. As a child who remembers being an, an airline pilot. Yes. And I don't have the, the specifics of it here, but it was quite an impressive an account of a child remembering a particular past life yes. war. Um, yes. I recall. I just recall that vaguely. That's coming to back to me now. Exactly. So amazing. All of this is so amazing. So other examples, there was, um, again, we're talking about Stevenson working around the world. And so this is a case from Thailand where uh -huh. he discovered that a four-year-old boy um, had memories of being murdered, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 years before and said that he died at a neighboring town about six miles away. Um, he remembered his name in the previous life was Shamrat. Plus, he remembered the names of his parents from that lifetime. He then went on to describe in detail the murder of Shamrat, the names of his murderers, what they had stolen from him, where his body had been stabbed, and where his body had been dragged after he'd been killed. So with this information, Dr. Wow. Stevenson located the family and interviewed the family members, because this had occurred, again, just a few years before. Um, Shamrat's family confirmed almost everything the boy had said about his previous life. And the policeman who investigated Shamrat's murder verified the names that the boy had identified as his murderers. Fascinating. So completely fascinating. Let's solve our, previ our previous life murderer years after that murderer had uh, had the murder had happened and the, the 
everyone thought they they were off scot free at that point, but no, wow. Then one more here. Um, there was a two and a half year old boy by the name of Gopal Gupta told his parents about a past life that he had previously lived in a city about 100 miles south of Delhi. The boy told his parents that his last name in that past life was Sharma. And in that previous life as Sharma, the boy had owned a company that was involved in medicines. He said that he had a large house with a wife and two children, and he had two brothers. The boy remembered that he had been shot and killed by one of his brothers after they argued over money. He even knew the name of his company in the previous life. But as it turns out, his um, mother discouraged the boy from talking about the previous family. And his father really didn't care anything about this. Several years passed. And it turns out that Gopal's father went to that city 100 miles away where his son said he had lived. He looked up the business that Gopal had described and met the Sharma family. The young boy was taken to meet the family and identified several people and places that he'd known in that previous life. And so in so doing, his knowledge of the family was not public knowledge. And so it was so convincing that members of the Sharma family believed him to be their son reincarnated. Wow. See this over and over again in, in uh, yeah. Stevenson's work. It's, it's just it's reconnecting families and knowing that our souls continue on lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, part of our soul's journey. This work was so compelling for Dr. Stevenson that he 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 had been a person of, you know, very sort of he was a very honorable person uh, at the, the University of Virginia. And he just took it up as his life's work. Um he he was kind of sidelined at the university, but he became obsessed with this work, and he wrote many books on the subject. And now, um, certainly in the afterlife community, he is honored and uh, and and uh, very much looked up to. And I think uh, he's going to in 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 the future he will be more and more looked up to. Frankly, because uh, nobody else can duplicate what he's done. It's it's he he's made this single handedly made this an area of very very great respect. Exactly. The, the research is uh, undeniable. It's overwhelming. I strongly recommend that everyone read at least 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation. It's a groundbreaking book. And then if that interests you, Ian Stevenson had so many, every one of his books is worth reading. Uh, and he has a ton of them on Amazon. You can just, just read P.T. Hart's content. They're, they're his, his work is amazing. I found another one in my library before we went on. Um, it's called Unlearned Language, New Studies in Xenoglossy. And the, that word starts with an X, X-E-N-O-G-L-O-S-S-Y, which is basically speaking a language you've never learned. And that's one of the, the signs of, of these kids. They can speak a language that uh, their previous personality, you know, spoke in his life, but that they've never learned, their family doesn't speak, and the, the children speak this language, um, but then they gradually stop speaking at, at the age of, say, seven or so. Quite amazing. All of this is so amazing. 
I find in my own practice, by working with the client's higher self and heart, we can often find evidence of a past life. Um, whether it's true or not doesn't make any difference because your soul speaks through your imagination. But I find mm-hmm. that on occasion, I've had several clients share with me that they were able to do um, investigations of the story that had come forth and discovered, in fact, that that person was real in the past. So that's always a, a thrill for me um, because. Wow. So they went and did the research and they discovered that that person had been real. Oh, that gives me chills. It's very wow. if you will. But I find that we're we're here on Earth to practice making choices, as I mentioned. Um, and that's how our souls evolve. It's yep. so important to make those choices. It's important to make the right choices. <laughs> and if we don't make choices, we'll come back <laughs> to <make> choices. <laughs> time and time. Right, and time. right. It is always easy to make the right choice, but it's important to make the right choice if you can. No, that's true. Peter, what, what do you want people to take from understanding more about Dr. Stevenson's work? That, that each lifetime that we have is simply that, an opportunity for us to grow and expand as souls, knowing that we're going to be coming back again and again and again, um, so that use each life to the fullest to be the true you and to do what you can to be as loving and forgiving of yourself and as loving and forgiving of everybody else around you, because we're all doing the best that we can, whether we realize it or not. And so but the more we can not get involved with the drama of what's happening internationally, nationally, or whatever, but instead focus on our own soul's growth and being um, supportive of one another and of ourselves is, I think, a, a key way for one to live one's purpose, to live one's life as fullest as possible. Well said. It's important, too, to understand that some things that seem too amazing to be true are nevertheless true. Um, I didn't believe initially, 30 years ago, I didn't believe in this stuff. I was still researching the afterlife. And when I first discovered Dr. Stevenson's work, I thought it was a bridge too far. It's one of many things I have thought was a bridge too far when I first discovered it. But um, this this is all true stuff. There's no question that it actually happens. Once you discover something like his body of work, and you, I, I, everything you've got to come to everything with an open mind initially. If you if you discover that you can't continue to, I mean, as, as someone once said, keep an open mind, but not so open that your brain falls out. No, that that's right. You, you've got to you you've got to challenge things. But when you challenge his work, you it you, it never fails. You always come to the point where you say no that's that's right that is that is all true in the end you come to accept that it's true when you do that you learn and this is a great situation where in the end you accept it and you learn and um i i find i find that is a precious precious way to grow spiritually when you learn from something as amazing and remarkable as Dr. Stevenson's work at the University of Virginia and his work goes on today after his death. It's a wonderful opportunity to learn and to grow. And uh, and it's really extraordinary. Those birthmarks, incidentally, you know, the, the guy, 
the, the previous personality died from a shotgun um, a blast to the chest. Wouldn't you know it? In the third generation, those birthmarks are still there, but they've traveled down the body some. It's it's amazing. Uh, it's it's just amazing. Um, uh, it's there are more things, Horatio, than are imagined in your philosophy. It is just amazing what what you can find if you really study his work. I finally had to stop studying because uh, there was you could spend your lifetime just studying what they are doing at the University of Virginia all by itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think uh, near near death experiences are interesting. They're nothing compared to what they're doing at the University of Virginia. And that is all real stuff. Quite amazing. I'm so I'm so glad you brought this up because it got me to looking in my my library and, and looking up things that I had really not looked at in quite some time. Quite fascinating. Thank you so much, my dear, for making me look back at at, at uh, things I hadn't looked at in years. Quite amazing. My pleasure. So big, big hug to you. We're going to have you back soon. I hope everything is well in your life, except he's had a touch of COVID, and so he's done a little coughing while we've talked, but you do seem to be better now. Thank you. Big hug. So we're, we're and, and uh, for those who wonder why I'm all trussed up, I, I still am uh, dealing with the fact that I broke my shoulder. I was telling him I, I had, um, I, I had been feeling a little droopy. And so I had a stent put in my heart and that made me feel 40 years old suddenly. And when you suddenly feel, when you had been feeling your age and now you suddenly feel 40, you, you run to tell someone something, fall in your, in a doorway and break your shoulder, which is, you know, never a good thing. So, um, I, I totally blame the fact that I suddenly felt 40 years old for the fact that I broke my shoulder. Never a good experience. So anyway, I'll have this off sooner or later and I will no longer have this weird, um, weird shoulder, shoulder truss. But, um, but nonetheless, that's our wonderful, wonderful friend here for the seventeenth time. When he comes back, he'll have more traditional maybe things to talk about. But that was a wonderful suggestion, Peter. Thank you so much. Big hug. And Peter's website is insightsfromwithin.com. And that of course will be in the in the program notes. And also we'll have a few select books from Dr. Stevenson if you want to do more research in that field too. And meanwhile, once again, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Secret Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you could be with us today for what I think of as having been kind of a special program. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you get that and all the implications of that, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be the illustrious and wonderful Dr. R. Craig Hogan. He's going to be with us for the, believe it or not, the 42nd time in 10 years. Craig is practically my secret reality co-host at this point. He and I are going to talk about something that we really should have talked about more often in all this, all these many years. He's, we're going to talk about the process after we have begun to transition back home and what the afterlife is like for most of us when we first get there. We haven't discussed this very important topic in a while, although we often get questions about it. And I think it's important because we're all going to be going through it and it's easy and it's fun, but it's 
you know, you're going to have forgotten a lot about that. So since we do incarnate repeatedly, this is going to be familiar but still strange territory. I think it's important. Please be sure to join us next week. You're going to find this fascinating. And this week, we've been speaking with our dear friend, Peter Wright, who's been here for the 17th time. Peter is such a frequent guest because he's a favorite among our listeners, a surprising number of whom have actually consulted with Peter for themselves. And and by the way, if you've got something glitchy going on in your life, you know, just ask Peter if he might be able to help you, because often... You know, people people tell me wonderful stories about things that they didn't even think Peter could help with, but he could. And Peter's special expertise is, is in past life regression therapy, although he does other things too. And his work in that field is able to address an astoundingly variable range of, you know, mental and psychological problems. Past life regression therapy is a splendid and versatile tool because our past lives and our future lives can be affecting us in ways we don't really understand. This is wonderful, though. I, I don't want to go pass over this whole Dr. Even Ian Stevenson's work. I don't want to pass over that lightly. His work is formative in things that we don't even realize now. That they, there, You probably know people in your life who who, who know people who have have had that kind of aborted trip to the afterlife and they're now in a in a body that they may have possessed from somebody else's body. All these weird things happen and we live with them as best we can. So um, maybe learn a little bit more about Dr. Stevenson's work at the University of Virginia. Um, and I hope you found I hope you found this to be as interesting as as I did because um, there is so much work being done there that we don't know about, but that's exciting. It's, I think fascinating, all the same, and not scary. There's nothing about it that's scary. This is just real life. And now, of course, it's also time to once again mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for all things afterlife. Just when your time is right to do it, just go to seekreality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality really is eternal. Learn the ultimate truth from Craig Hogan, who is your worldwide expert on all things afterlife. And teachingsbyjesus.com is your single resource for all the beautiful divine truths that are brought to us in perfect love by the greatest teacher, Master Jesus, the eternally risen Christ. Now it really is Jesus's turn, and it's about time, wouldn't you say? As Christianity, the religion that was created by the Roman Emperor Constantine and not by Jesus, finally dies, the genuine teachings of Jesus can finally come alive. Teachingsbyjesus.com is the Lord's own entirely religion-free website. It's made by Jesus in perfect love for you. My own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus, a beautifully illustrated book. You can order all of these books through bookstores or on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And most of the adult books, except the last, are available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about any of my books or really anything at all, just contact me through the green contact block under RobertaGrimes.com. And I do answer every email. I really do. But sometimes... 
I mean, at this point, it just about always takes a week or two because I get a lot of emails and I have a limited time. But I do answer emails just if I don't have your correct email address, there's no way that email I wrote is going to get to you. They always bounce then. So please make sure I have your right address. And all of the more than 500 past episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever audio podcasts can be found. You can listen to new audio episodes each week with the Seek Reality app that you can find for free wherever there are free apps available. And you also can now see each new video episodes if you could stand them, because I remember this is a great face for radio. But each week, the new episodes are available on Roku or Fire Stick. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful eternal being and you most of all in this whole universe you are infinitely loved you've been listening to seek reality with roberta grimes roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share knowing the truth changes everything